Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Mega Particle Podcast. Like the man said, I am your host, the lovable little fuzzball, Jonathan Wiegand. Harmless as a tribble, as people have said before. But I sit here behind the golden OPP microphone here inside my secret trek bunker deep in the woods on the eastern coast of these United States. Are we talking about lizard people today, Luna? I think we're going to talk about lizard people. I wanted to make that intro sound as conspiratorial and kind of conspiracy theory as I could, and I think I think we succeeded. But like I said, today we are covering the Gorn. We are Gorn to be wild. So just like COVID, this enemy is back again and probably in the most inconvenient way. Um, yes, if you didn't know, the Gorn are back and the main villain in this new Trek world on the season two finale of Strange New Worlds. Is that an insensitive joke? Might be. Well, if we get blocked by some some people, Luna will know. And Luna, again, my intern, everybody, in case you didn't know. So I was watching the season finale of Strange New Worlds, and I was just curious. I was like, do you know what? I want to do a deep dive, personally. You know, what are the Gorn? Who are they? What makes those lizard people tick? the conspiracy theories about them, you know, the tinfoil hats, you know, all across Trek lore that we have about this very old yet mysterious foe of the Federation. There has been, I mean, to take a step back, there's been so much going on in the world of Trek lately. And we have the strike with SAG and WGA going strong still. I mean, it seems like yesterday we were making our intro strike episode back in May. And now it's Gosh, the middle of September. But we're going to be doing bringing back our news and brews episodes every week. Um, we're not going to be reviewing any lower decks season four. Um, again, it's just it was a council decision. You know, we got with some producers here at OPP and we got with our intern and myself. And, you know, we've, we've never reviewed lower decks, maybe an episode or two, but it just doesn't seem our our cup of tea. So it's just not happening. And I think that's OK. I think that's fine. You know, teach his own. But instead, we're going to be deep diving and delivering the most hard-hitting, fun news while maybe opening up some some brewskis or drinking cold brew. So that's what news and brews means, in case you didn't know. So check it out in the coming days and weeks. But that is not what we're here to discuss, everybody. We are here to discuss the most ominous, I guess you could say... I feel like they're just so dangerous as opposed to the Borg. You know, the Borg are this kind of perfection just unrelenting almost like a terminator and the gorn are a villain that you wouldn't want to meet in a back alley because they'll just literally rip you apart so i'm really excited to deep to deep dive and get into this with you a little bit so without further ado luna let's roll that beautiful bean footage Yes, like I said, the Gorn 
are a prominent alien species within, you know, the Trek universe. They made their first notable appearance in that famous TOS episode arena, you know, the one with the bad, I guess you could call it plastics and makeup. He's fighting Kirk and they throw rocks and they can't communicate with each other. There's only been maybe just over a dozen appearances throughout the franchise, which was really kind of surprising when we, we covered that in our research. And their impact has been just on a cultural level, very significant. You see them everywhere, that large green head with the, the crazy eyes. And fun fact, did you know that Ben Stiller actually owns that? So he bought it in an auction maybe about 10 or so years ago. And so Ben Stiller is a huge Trekkie and actually owns the Gornhead from the famous arena episode. So you can wreck your friends with that information. Gorn have clashed multiple times with the Federation, and again, most recently in Strange New Worlds finale. Yet, by the 24th century, where we see most of our quote-unquote golden age and silver age of Star Trek, you know, it's kind of mellowed. And kind of reminds me of the Klingons. You know, I don't know if there was a Kittimer Accords with the Gorn that we had with the Klingons, but it seems if relations are cool and everybody's all right with each other. So maybe it's just kind of like a non-aggression pact where you say, hey, you stay on your side of the fence, we'll stay on ours, no big deal. We will be getting into Gorn and Federation relations coming, I shouldn't say relations, diplomacy coming, uh, coming up in the next few minutes. Don't worry, friends, we're going to deep dive it all. And to me... The funny thing about the Gorn is that we see this, you know, brutal dinosaur bipedal reptilian creature. But to me, the scary thing is how smart they are and how advanced their technology is. So it's kind of like this triple threat. Not only are they very smart, not only have they developed this technology, but they'll literally eat your face. So don't want to mess with these guys. Want to keep these guys on good terms. And again, this episode, we're going to deep dive into the history, the biology. Did the Gorn even have a culture? Uh, maybe even drawing direct comparisons, you know, to maybe some real aliens, which apparently are real now, according to the Senate testimony of some people. And Luna, did you see this thing in Mexico with E.T.? Or quote unquote, should be E.T.? Well, anyway, if you haven't looked up the pictures, they're kind of hilarious. I don't really know what to think about them, but that's not why we're here again. I think the best way to start this, Luna, is I'm going to give me a big old pumpkin spice latte. And they're like 500 calories from Starbucks. And I think we're going to deep dive into the origins and early history of the Gorn. So, so backtrack with me a little bit, friends. So if you've ever watched the uh, culturally significant Star Trek show Enterprise with what might be argued the best, best intro music of all time. Luna, do not laugh at my headphones. I am being completely serious, 100% genuine. Uh, I've got faith of the heart. And there was a species on Enterprise called the Zindi. And the Zindi were not one species. You know, you had the whale people, you had the planet of the apes looking people, and you had the bugs. And they formed the Zindi. And that is kind of what the Gorn are. And their interstellar government is known as the Gorn hegemony, which is really interesting. 
So they have this dominion over region of space that they refer to the, as the five systems. So the five guys of interstellar travel, I guess. And it's even kind of mentioned, speaking of Enterprise, by an Orion privateer, Harad Sar, in the Enterprise episode titled Bound. However, Harad Sar's remark about the Gorn is very cryptic, suggesting that less said about them is better and not to mess with them. Speaking of additional insights and maybe some origins, there are some that are found in the non-canon 2013 Star Trek video game, which kind of, you know, exists within this Kelvin universe that was introduced in the 2009 movie. And I know everyone is so beyond excited about the Kelvin universe and there's cheers erupting, whether you're driving or in the cubicle or just at home, just so excited to talk about the Kelvin universe. But according to this game, the Gorn hailed from another galaxy that colonized under the banner of the Gorn Armada. So you have these bipedal dinosaur people with an armada. That is like the truly level of eft I have never imagined before. So they arrived in the Milky Way via a wormhole and they just kind of expanded into the Beta Quadrant, took control and just set up shop. You know, and they border both the Federation and the Klingon Empire. Intriguingly, though, there's a lot of these non-canon sources, including that, you know, Kelvin Universe game and accompanying IDW comics, emphasize that the Gorn aren't a single species altogether, but rather an alliance of genetically similar reptilian aliens. Perfect example. So we see the TOS, bipedal reptilian that Kirk fights. And then in Strange New Worlds, we see these puppy kind of Gorn, you know, that are all on all fours, quadrupeds, I think you can call them. I'm an accountant, Luna. I don't know. Um, quadrupeds, and they're running around, and they're kind of just like big puppies. And so, but technically, they're all Gorn. And so I, when I read this, I was like, perfect. This is exactly it. And of course, there's even... We're going to deep dive here, people. This is what we want, the nitty-gritty. So in the Starfleet Command video game, you know, they actually shed light on the Gorn Society as well, revealing it's actually a hereditary monarch. And that Gorn mythology tells a, of a Siza, a mistress of fertility who saved young Gorn eggs from a f- figure known as the Great Father, and I guess it's a reference to Greek myth of Rhea saving Zeus from Kronos. So it's just, there's so many of these like origin stories, canon, non-canon, and furthermore, this is the last one. So we have Star Trek Online wants to give it a shot as well about the origin stories of the Gorn, and um, they say they might all, all the species share a common ancestor with the Sarian species dating back approximately 15,000 years. However, the Star Trek Online timeline raises questions, as some sources suggest that the Gorn space travel dates back thousands or even millions of years doesn't really meet up, and these discrepancies persist regarding the Gorn, you know, involving on a single home world or multiple ones. It's just really tough to tell, and so this origin of these, you know, mini Godzillas remain shrouded in mystery. There's not a clear origin story and sometimes that happens in Star Trek I feel like when you get this 
let's just be real, these guys in the 60s were like, hey, this would be cool, like, just like a dinosaur, he could fight. And they go, sweet, man. And then nerds like us, decades later, try to make canon and expand a universe. And so this is where we are. We haven't, I would love maybe, you know, Strange New World Season 3, deep diving into Gorn mythology, Gorn origin stories that would be awesome but we'll, we'll just have to see i think we're kind of getting there but maybe in uh, strange new worlds speaking of origin stories going back i mean some people say they developed in the milky way galaxy or in another galaxy maybe even traversing the two on some like mycelial network i don't know it's just what we do know and what's very clear is that by the 22nd century they developed space travel and they gained a formidable and violent reputation among the beta quadrant civilizations. I just I just always envision when species are like, oh, they achieved warp and space travel. I just imagine they have a Zephram Cochran who's in their version of Montana getting drunk and listening to jukeboxes. And it's like, yeah, that's how you achieve warp. You just have wilderness and, and alcohol. It's been a long week, Luna. It's been a long week. <laughs> so moving on to to what everybody really wants to know is the home world of the Gorn. Talk Gorny to me. I am Gorned up. They're puns, Luna. Let it let it sit. So the specific star that the new Gorn homeworld orbits is really never disclosed in Star Trek. However, it is situated at the ninth planet within a triple star system comprised of three K-type orange stars. We have the five guys, like the five systems, and then they're comprised of maybe a triple star system inside that five planetary system, and they're situated in the ninth planet. So this is very specific Star Trek lore, but we somehow cannot get an origin story. Huh. <laughs> the things we deep dive on as a fandom. So it's fun. There was a lot of things I could go into about Gorn K-type planets, what they are. Basically, you know, they're known for they have stable, habitable zones, but they have lower emissions of ultraviolet light, which tends to have adverse effects on DNA molecules. So that's why they're not M-class, not really good for humans to be there but maybe the gorn and the reptilian nature it's okay and that their dna can appear to that kind of tough environment now non-canon sources do allude to the name tau lacerity as the gorn's home star system and funny as star trek is uh lacerity is a real world constellation and it means lizard in latin while Tau refers to the 19th letter of the Greek alphabet. However, there really is no, you know, star in the real world named Tau, Lasar, Lacerte, anything like that. Um, to me, it's just reasonable to fear that the Gorn selected their new home planet due to its environmental conditions like every other species would. You know, we got to pick these new guys, whether they came over an armada, whether they came over through wormhole, whatever, they're here in the beta quadrant now. And this planet that they've really settled on, and this again is non-sources, non-canon sources, is also known as Gornar, and it boasts a surface gravity of 1.4 times that of Earth. 
So not only do they have that, you know, higher gravity, that makes them super strong. So when they get to, you know, planets with lower gravity, they can kick our butt, which makes sense and explains maybe why they're so dominating when they interact with other species. And apparently Gornar is covered in tropical jungles and swamplands, and the surface temperature is super high. It makes for one of the best reptilian habitats in my opinion, the Beta Quadrant, because literally it's like it's created for them, like a bunch of writers did one day when they when they wrote all these non-canon sources. But that's fine. I think it's cool. That's what I want to know. Like, sometimes you get really cool, awesome, with the Romulans, you get this neat, in-depth kind of creation, and then some you just kind of get stuff thrown together and whatever hits the wall hits the wall. But that's why we're here, baby. We're going to uncover all of it just like at a middle school dance where everything's going to get uncovered. I don't really know what that reference means. I Don't look at me, Luna. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I went to a few dances. Are we going to edit this out? Maybe. Anyway, so next subject we're talking about will be the biological and bio... Blah, blah, the <laughs> Will be the biology overview. So, of course, you know, we love our reptiles on Earth, whether they're in control of governments or, you know, in our little box in our room in a sweet hot rock. These cold-blooded creatures, you know, they have the scaly green skin, uh, the red blood, they just formidable claws, powerful jaws, you know, they look like dinosaurs. And it's just very intimidating. Again, if you saw one of these guys with their you know, silvery eyes coming down at you from a, from a, I don't know, you get out of a, an opera with your wife and son and you see a Gorn down the hallway and he tries to rob you and he reaches for your wife's pearls. Uh, no, Luna, that is not how Batman lost his parents. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> you're all over the map today, folks. They, they just, again, possess apparently at least two genders that we know of male and female and they have the approximate average height of approximate average what are these notes luna so they have the average height of about six feet they're notably stronger than most humanoid species and exhibit you know just a greater durability and stamina but also intelligence as well so their brains might be bigger i couldn't find anything specifics on the brains but we do know as the adults age, they tend to be slower and less agile than humans, and they kind of make up for it in their resilience. They just never stop, and AKA we see that in Arena. And so without the assistance of a universal translator, the Goran language sounds like a bunch of clicks and growls and throat clearing noises. Um, kind of reminds you of a dad or a grandpa on, on Thanksgiving. You know, they're sitting in their chair and they're making their dad noises like, <laughs> like so those are dad noises and i apologize to put that through your speakers we don't know too much about their inner workings biology it just i mean they seem like normal um bipedial you know not mammals but reptiles so i'm sure they have you know all the parts that need to have they're not like the breen who we really know nothing about so we do get some snippets of specifics with these, uh, not A-list, but these B-list 
B-list villains in Star Trek. And one of the other things that I was curious about is their life cycle. One source suggested that they can live up to 300 years, which seems absolutely bonkers that, you know, the same Gorn that fought Kirk in the arena could, like, theoretically still be around, or it could be a Gorn that fought Pike, you know, in this last season finale of Strange New World. So it's really interesting to think that. However, the Gorn's, you know, growth and maturation cycle really remain relatively unexplored until we get Star Trek Into Darkness. Again, a beautiful J.J. Abrams reference here. And there's a passing line of dialogue that suggests the Gorn can become pregnant with live young. So that sounds terrifying because they have teeth, sharp teeth. And so it's mentioned, and there's a quote from the movie, and we don't want to get sued by Paramount. So it's a quote from the movie that says, Sweetheart, I once performed an emergency C-section on a pregnant Gorn with octuplets. Let me tell you, those little creatures bite. So this phenomenon is actually not uncommon among reptilian species. Some earth snakes and lizards, for example, do not lay eggs. They actually have live young inside of them. Nevertheless, in the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, a more detailed explanation of Gorn reproduction is provided, marking a departure from established canon. So we see Strange New Worlds once again bending over canon on its knee and spanking it into irrelevance. In the episode Memento Mori, the character Sue uh, recounts her childhood escape from a Gorn breeding planet. A breeding planet. On these planetary nurseries, Gorn deposit sentient beings for use as breeding vessels or as food for Gorn hatchlings. Adult Gorn periodically return to harvest their young, as is depicted in the series' ninth episode, All Those Who Wander. So this sounds truly terrifying. It's almost like a mixture of alien and predator, but not in the way that you think if you were alive in 2006 and 2007. So we have these kind of planets where A, humans are deposited or or species are deposited to get their either be used for food or be used for a breeding vessel and that the Gorn just burst out of, which is just wild (laughs) if you really think about it. So this new insight and this new canon that Strange New Worlds kind of pushes on us is that the Gorn hatch from these parasitic eggs that incubate in humanoid hosts. So it completely contradicts the earlier notion of um, kind of mirroring what we do on Earth with some of our snakes is that you have live young inside of the inside of the womb. I just had these outer outer body experiences where I was like, I'm discussing Gorn breeding habits, and this is the life and path I've chosen. <laughs> just kidding. I love it. I love it. It's great. I just think it's yeah, it's exactly like the xenomorphs from Aliens. And apparently, it initially when the Gorn hatchlings are, are born, they're white and they kind of turn green as they feed and grow and they shed their skin. We did learn in Strange New Worlds that both the eggs and hatchlings are biologically invisible to sensors, and hatchlings can prevent telepathic detection. So they can just 
walk around. And even juvenile Gorn are quadrupedal and extremely fast. So the puppy stage. So I guess those weren't different versions of the Gorn or different species of the Gorn. They were just kind of teenage Gorns that were still kind of being in their puppy stage. And that's fine. And they kind of, I mean, it makes sense because they have this uncontrollable aggression towards other life forms and even aggression towards their own kind as they compete for dominance. So that's definitely, you get teenage vibe, teenager vibes from them. And only the smartest and the strongest Gorn survive into maturity. So maybe, again, maybe that's a result from genetic engineering from the Gorn scientists way back in the day or what. I just think it's hilarious to imagine Gorn scientists in a room and you have like petri dishes and just the whole nine yards and you just in lab coats and they're just talking about you know, you see the game last night and there's just dinosaurs. But anyway, and the question arises of this kind of formidable depiction of the Gorn and does it align with their previous appearances in the Star Trek universe? And the simplest explanation I can come to is that the Gorn hatchlings are inherently more, you know, rambunctious and they gradually mellow with age, relatively speaking. Maybe, I mean, that's, you kind of contribute that in the same way, you know, as humans as we grow you know we we learn to control our emotions as we age and as we mature well some of us do and then also intelligence increases as humans mature and learn and acquire new skills so it 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 makes sense you know they're kind of i guess i don't know if it's a bipedal similarity they they all bipedals go through that and by and if you don't know bipedal means two legs by one two so two legs isn't that great? Uh, a little fun fact as we move on from Gorn biology and maturation into kind of Federation Gorn relations is that it's worth mentioning there's a big Easter egg in Discovery that you see in Captain Lorca has a Gorn skeleton in his menagerie. This detail kind of predates Strange New Worlds, which, you know, kind of suggests a continuity in the design of the Gorn between the two series so is that make it canon i don't know that's i'm not going to answer that that's really difficult to say but finally getting to the nitty-gritty the fun cool stuff is federation gorn relations and if i said this once i'll say it again so in strange new worlds the gorn you know are described as these monstrous beings and humans are nothing more than prey and you know, Lon emphasizes this because, again, she escaped from a breeding planet and she dismissed any reasoning with them. They're just blood-killing, thirsty monsters, pretty much. And I, I understand that. If I was on a, a breeding planet and I was going to have something burst through my chest, I would strongly have that same conviction. And it makes sense why she feels that, especially in the 23rd century. But as they move into the 24th century, I think they probably, as a federation, their their minds will be opened a little bit. And, and in terms of the federation, interactions with the Gorn, unofficial accounts indicate that by 2259, the Gorn had actually never been officially contacted. And this was primarily due to the Gorn's tendency to, to leave no survivors during their witcheralistic hunting of captives on their breeding planet. So a single survivor who's not expected to live, was spared and then sent adrift in a life wrapped jettison into space. And Lon was one of those. She defied the odds and survived. So you're not going to have a lot of interactions with those kind of people and species if that's how they treat everybody. 
However, the first official contact between the Federation and the Gorn occurred in 2267 when the Gorn attacked a Federation colony on the famous planet of Cetus III. The Gorn regarded Cetus III as part of their territory and viewed their attack as preemptive. So as we all know from Strange New Worlds, the Enterprise pursued a Gorn starship into uncharted space where both ships became immobilized by the advanced Metrons in the area and these Metrons forced Kirk and the Gorn captain into a life and death contest of strength and ingenuity and ultimately Kirk spared the Gorn's life leading to high-minded resolution by the Metrons. So as we see in Strange New Worlds that's the first official interaction with the Federation and the Gorn. So that's actually pretty cool. We actually see a couple episodes of that. Um, But given the Gorn's intelligence, it's likely that they were very much aware of how the Federation perceived them up to that point. And I think if you were them, that's a good spot to be in. That's a good, strong negotiation tactic to be in because you want your enemy afraid of you, willing to compromise with you right out of the gate. They just want to keep you happy. So you have all the cards, pretty much. The other famous episode, Arena, we see in this encounter, it served as a kind of a pivotal moment thawing out the relations between the Gorn and the Federation. So another huge culturally famous and significant episode of the original series kind of just lets everybody's perceptions kind of cool and cultures can start appreciating each other and moral systems kind of can start to be shared and you know by the 24th century the Cetius conflict had been resolved by and large and the Federation colony was rebuilt and even 24th century they reference everyday life on the planet as pretty normal and good but this doesn't mean that the Federation and the Gorn have become best friends open hostilities seem to have diminished much like this situation with the Klingons are continually with the Federation on again off again pretty much Uh, recent Trek installments have further humanized the Gorn in Lower Decks we witness a Gorn wedding reception and a Gorn chef works at a restaurant on Starbase 25 Uh, additionally there's a reference to a Gorn attending Riker's bachelor party in an omitted line from the first draft script of Star Trek Nemesis. So I think that would have been funny to have that in a line to be like, oh, we had that Gorn at Riker's bachelor party because he's a freak. Either way, bridging the gap between, you know, these peace, between a peaceful depiction of the Gorn, earlier alien bursting forth of the chest, kind of, you, you kind of have to marry the two, you know, and, and, if they've developed, if how they developed, they keep it internally. We don't know, but we do know is a foundation for a transition has been laid, as we see in the 24th century, that there is more openness to the Gorn, more friendly relations to the Gorn, and even having more cross-cultural blending, I guess you could say. But in conclusion, I would have to say about Federation and Gorn relations, I, I, I would say it's rocky it's a rocky relationship it's kind of like a girl you were talking to and it didn't end very well and it's very rocky you've never dated you've wanted to have peaceful relations but 
it's kind of gone back and forth, back and forth, and it's it's just really difficult. And they're putting their best foot forward, and you know, some get along, some don't, but I definitely disagree with Seeing's belief from Strange New Worlds that they cannot be reasoned with. I think they can be reasoned with, but they're very much dangerous, and you have to show strength to them to negotiate and reason with them. So that leads me to probably one of the more complicated questions with this episode and we see so many variations of the Gorn and so many different non-canon canonical versions of the Gorn I'm just curious you know who's the real Gorn will the real Gorn please stand up so we have gone through their history we've gone through their uh, biology their maturation process their relations diplomatic relations should I say and it's kind of just made me have a critical question who are the genuine Gorn you know we've seen in Strange New World these are the real Gorn this is canon they use like the the Gorn homogeny as one of them it's never really mentioned before it's an unofficial confirmation of their authenticity as the Gorn species but and so there's certain differences between Strange New World's Gorn and ones from the original series and so in the original series the Gorn appeared to act on instinct but they definitely demonstrated some intelligence they you know had starships ev suits massive towers capable of blocking signals however their actions seem driven by nothing but instinct particularly their relationship with light attacking the colony at a primal hunger nevertheless the Dalkorn and strange new worlds more closely resemble the Enterprise Aragorn. Um, it's crucial, crucial to note that it's not the same as the TOS Gorn. This variation might suggest there are multiple types of Gorn as indicated by both Beta Canon and the Kelvin timeline. In the second season finale of Strange New World, Scotty mentions that the Gorn appeared coinciding with the CME trigger. You know, and some fans and people have wrote articles speculating that this might be similar to the Locutus trigger, prompting the Goron to feed and breed. However, there might be a more nefarious motive at play. While it's highly improbable, the wormholes through which the extra galactic Goron armada appeared in, you know, the 2013 Kelvin timeline game, closely resemble the kind of the coronal mass ejections. This single piece of evidence raises the question of whether these Gorn could be extra-galactic in origin, distinct from the Gorn we saw in the original series. Despite the improbability, it is an intriguing theory to consider. So could they be from a wormhole? Or could they be from an extra galaxy? You know, or are they just another, you know, simple beta quadrant species that developed as TOS thinks? Again, the biggest one difference we've talked about is that in the Kelvin timeline, the Gorn are something called Vivi Paris, which is, you know, they keep the, the young inside of them for the maturation and birth process, and they're alive, while the Gorn and Strange New Worlds, um, you know, use external lights for production and use the alien xenomorph wave uh, reproduction. So it's possible that, you know, the Strange New Worlds ones, we see they've modified themselves genetically to produce their parasitic eggs. And given the theme of genetic engineering in Strange New Worlds, this could provide an in-universe explanation and continuity between the two series. 
We've seen that before. Remember the, the Klingons with the disease on their the ridges on the forehead minus the ridges on the forehead and how they backtrack and retconned it to be a disease and that took away the ridges and now they got over it and the ridges are back. That could very well easily do that to connect the original series and Strange New Worlds. I would say this, if we're going to go deep dive, if we're going to deep dive even more for the differences on a ship perspective, the Gorn we see in the original series and later in Prodigy differ significantly from those in Strange New Worlds. In Strange New Worlds, the Gorn encounter are, are attempting to access the Kyger systems, suggesting they might have acquired technical information leading to the creation of new starships. The TOS Gorn ships had Starfleet, you know, warp nacelles on them, which could be explained by their access to the Calgary databanks. The distinction between them and the original series Gorn might require some retconning even more, especially with their ships and their technology. However, it's essential to await further developments and resolution with that we're definitely going to get in the Strange New World series. In conclusion, the answer to the question of whether I think these are the genuine Gorn, the original series, or if there's some retcon thing from a Kelvin video game, or the TOS are the genuine ones, I would have to say yes <laughs> to everything. You know, the full story may not have been told yet, and it's possible, you know, we might get uh, get a full maturation, the table set before us and we can eat, but we don't know. And I think for now, it seems to be that these Gorn in Strange New Worlds are the authentic Gorn. They're going to expand Gorn lore and and mythology even more. And I'm looking forward to that because it seems really interesting. What could they change? What could they add? Um, but let me know what your thoughts are on the Gorn in Strange New Worlds, how they're portrayed and the broader context of the episode because I love to hear your opinions. I love to hear what you guys have to think, whether it's on social media, whether it's, uh, you know, any way you can contact OPP. We're on it all, but that has concluded our episode on the Gorn. We are Gorn to be wild, Gorn with the wind. We're here. (laughs) And I I really enjoyed it, Luna. Um, It was kind of gotten some messy, um, very detailed, biological. I was more hoping to hear more if they had like a warlike society like the Klingons or if they were just, you know, these monsters that did kind of was a genetic engineering uh, experiment gone wrong. But I am definitely interested in what happens in Strange New World Season 3, whenever that may be. It might be 2025 at this point now that uh, the writer's strike keeps going on. But I feel like we'll definitely get more answers and get questions. I mean, we'll get answers to our questions um, in the coming years. But in the meantime, Luna, let's light this candle. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love all that you've done and, and the reviews and just... The daily downloads, we definitely appreciate it, guys. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review us. It helps the podcast out in countless ways, and we definitely appreciate it. We're Again, we're bringing back news and brews. I am toying the idea of bringing an entire 
series review. I would love to do DS9 one episode at a time. And unlike these other Star Trek podcasts, we're not going to hide it behind a Patreon wall. We're going to give it all to you guys because, again, I don't do this for a job. I do it because it's for the love of the game. So maybe one day we're definitely thinking about it. We'll give an answer soon. And as always, for your entertainment and movie needs, please refer to jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. The link is in the episode description. I, I don't know about you, but I am very excited for Oppenheimer to come out so I can watch it on my phone and watch it on maybe my my child's iPad, just as Chris, Christopher Nolan would have intended it. So um, <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, take care of yourselves out there, everybody. And second star of the right, straight on till morning.